Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, September 27th edition of the Basement Academy. I want to talk about another of my favorite psalms, and I really, really hope this will become a favorite of yours as well, because I think we all need this psalm. I mean, some psalms we like, but some psalms I think we need. And I think Psalm 57 is one we need. So I hope you'll listen or watch all the way to the end. I, I hope this will be beneficial for you. Uh, let me read it and, and note for you that David's in the cave again. So Psalm 57, when he had fled from Saul into the cave. So last week we looked at Psalm 142 when he was in the cave. That kind of small place and we pour out a complaint before God. So this is another cave psalm. <laughs> but it has a very different feel to it. Not complaining now, but a very different approach. So let me, let me read uh, Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me. For in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God, who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Amen. So Psalm 57 is set in the context of that um, fugitive time of David's life when he was um, on the run from King Saul who was paranoid and jealous of David and was out to get him. And so he's in the cave again. <clears throat> and he uses this language of the disaster. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And I think, I think this is what kind of sets the, 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 the proper context, kind of emotive context, emotional context for this psalm. Um, life contains any number of challenges, right? Any, anybody who's been at it for a while, we know, right? <clears throat> most of the challenges are what I would say, are, I would call garden variety challenges. When you're young, 
you know, learning how to deal with pressures at school, take tests, um, chores, responsibilities, a first job, uh, a first romance, um, you know, getting cut from the team, not getting the job, whatever. The, you know, those early years, um, our, our childhood, adolescent, early adult years, we, we face things that are daunting. But they're garden variety. Everybody faces them. They're just part of the normal course of maturation. And we develop some resilience and strength and character and experience, right? But there are disasters. Not everybody experiences disasters. I I would even argue that the death of parents, though, in the normal course, you know, my parents died when I was grown and they were in their 80s and early 90s. I would even call that garden variety. That's not disaster. Now, a, a parent dying when you are two or five or 10, that has a, a much more of a disaster feel. But the death of a loved one, a spouse, a child, the loss of a job and unemployment ex- that extends, the, the, the crisis, right? more than just a a garden variety, but this is a deep crisis, a a disaster, or, you know, David on the run, being in a cave, you know, uh, literally running for his life. When disaster strikes, few of us know how to pray. Um, The book of Romans gives some witness to this. Maybe Paul had Psalm 57 in mind. You know, we, we, we couldn't know that. But he's earlier in, in Romans 8 spoken about the present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So he's talking about creation groaning. And then in verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And then, and then, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So the the context for that God working all things is the context of, of hard things where we are overwhelmed and don't even know how to pray. So Psalm 57 gives us some language when the disaster comes to us, if and and when the disaster comes, when we're overwhelmed. David was no stranger. He had the fugitive experience. Um, he lost a child. Um, he had significant marital strife. Uh, Absalom, uh, one of his sons, uh, rose up against him and led a, a coup d'etat, uh, led a, a rebellion or a mutiny against David. Um, and so David, in this experience of the disaster. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. The safest place in a disaster is under God's sheltering wings. And so in the midst of the disaster, David finds his way to pray. I take refuge in the shadow of your wings, those sheltering wings, the strong tower of God's name and his character. And so so we pray in the disaster. Now, now, 
it's hard to do that, okay? So that's why I said we need this psalm. It's not one we necessarily like, but it's one we need. And then he offers in verse two, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. What a wonderful, wonderful petition. What a wonderful um, phrase, language. And what's important about the psalm is it gives us language when we don't know how to pray. The psalms help us to pray. They pray for us almost. And so we, we may say the words without fully even understanding them. We may just be, you know, just mouthing the words because our, our hearts are so overwhelmed, our, our minds are racing with whatever the crisis is. And so... I cry out to God, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. One feature of crisis, of trauma, of disaster in our lives is that we lose a sense of the future. We're, we're, we're drawn to, to, the, to the immediate. We've just got to get through this moment, the next two hours, the next two days, the next two weeks. I've got to find some way. I can't even think about two weeks. I've got to get, get through the next you know, hour or, or two. This is sometimes how it is. And so in, in crisis, we lose a sense of the future. We, we, we feel all is lost. I have no future. A, a loved one dies. We experience some trauma. Um, uh, you know, financial crisis, loss of a job, whatever it, it might be. I can't imagine tomorrow. I can't imagine next week. I can't imagine next year. So everybody else is out there living their lives, making their plans for Christmas and, you know, next summer vacation. And I got to get through today somehow. And so what's What's so significant about this portion of the psalm? I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. This is the language that leans us back. There is a future. God is good. God is fulfilling a purpose. This crisis, this disaster, this difficulty is now part of my story. I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> But I know there is a God who is fulfilling his purposes for me. And so that's the language that pulls us back into a life that is going somewhere. That God is shepherding us. God is shaping us. God is leading us. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, right? And so when crisis comes, we, we can't control the thing, it, it's now upon us, but we can make some effort at controlling our response to what has happened. You can't control what happens. You can control how you respond to what happens. And one of the ways we need to respond in the midst of whether the garden variety trials or the deep traumatic uh, disaster trials, we must pray. We pray our whole lives. And so this psalm helps us find language to pray our life. And so there's an affirmation built into this statement. The God who fulfills his purpose. God is good. God is faithful. The disaster does not negate the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the presence of God, the kindness and, and, and mercy of God. 
After all, we do live east of Eden. And so such times shape us deeply. They mark us. The, the wounds will, will always be there. There will always be a scar of some sort. And, and we may have some traumatic response that we might need continued conversation on PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, but prayer needs to be a part of the therapeutic regime, part of the, the healing path is our prayers, and this prayer is certainly one of those. So our character gets shaped. We uh, count it all joy when you encounter trials of many kinds, James uh, counsels us, knowing that the testing of your faith develops the perseverance and, and, and the character. And so such times deepen our dependence upon God. I cry out to God most high. And these times humble us when we think we've got the world by the tail. It, 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 you know, things can change in an instant. We need not live in fear of that. We, we, we believe God is good. And so David affirms that goodness. There is a purpose. God is working his purposes. Romans 8, 28. All things, even the hard things that we encounter, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. His purpose, as Paul goes on in Romans 8, says, to be, that we are to be conformed to the likeness or image of his son. And then David describes the disaster metaphorically or poetically. He's in the cave on the run, but he's really lying in the midst of lions, uh, among ravenous beasts, etc. So, so we can describe the disaster many ways. And then he prays, my heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, oh, my soul, awake, harp and lyre. I will awake in the dawn. Well, the reason we awake in the dawn is because we're already awake, right? <laughs> in crisis, it's difficult to sleep. We, we've all experienced that at some level. And so we spend a lot of hours staring at the ceiling in the midst of the dark. Sometimes we might get up, turn to the Psalms, amongst the other things you may do, but that we awaken the dawn. It's, we're awake before the dawn is. And then he leads into the new day with worship. And so he had the harp and the lyre he, he could play. But what's stunning about this is this language of my heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. Now, I don't know about you, but when tough things come, my heart doesn't always feel steadfast. There's fear, there's confusion, there's anxiety, there's anger, there's disappointment, um, grief, dread. I mean, there's any number, uh, kind of a, a wide kind of palette or spectrum of, of emotions that we feel uh, when our hearts are, are feel like they're melting away. And so David prays himself into a new way of feeling. My heart is steadfast, O oh God. My heart is steadfast. I, I know you're fulfilling your purposes for me. <laughs> and I know this is part of my story. I don't want to be here, but I am here. And so our, our faith and our feelings, some they're, they're kind of intertwined. And sometimes people, as I'm in conversation with folks, they think because they're feeling bad, they have weak faith. Because I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling anxious, I do not have much faith. 
I don't think it works that way. Praying when our hearts are overwhelmed is an expression of faith. That's when faith deepens and that taproot goes deep, looking for water. I cry out to God most high. (laughs) I take refuge in the shelter of your wings, in the shadow of your wings. And then almost as if he's talking to himself. I mean, he's talking to God. My heart is steadfast, O God, but we really sometimes are trying to convince ourselves, right? And so rather than waiting for our hearts to feel a certain way before we pray, before we go to church. Believe your way into a new way of feeling. Don't feel your way into a new way of of believing. Believe your way into a new way of feeling. If you caught that. Some of us think we have to feel our way into our belief, into our faith, into our prayers. No, no, no. Pray your way. Believe your way. God, I don't feel the steadfast heart, but I'm going to affirm that you are my rock. (laughs) You are my foundation. Talked about the ground being level at the foot of the cross. My feet are on level ground. And so there's rock. There is foundation under us. And so David declares his way into a new way of of responding to God, not in fear and anxiety, complaint and anger, but in in faith. I heard someone say years ago, um, you Christians, or he was a Christian, we Christians sing about the rock of ages, but we sometimes act like we're clinging to the last piece of driftwood talking about world events and national events and how Christians sometimes get a little chicken little-ish. The sky is falling, the sky is falling. No. God is present. God has purposes. God is working. God is sovereign. And so my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. And so this psalm helps us to be strong and courageous. This, This psalm helps us to remember that that his name shall be Emmanuel and God is with us. <laughs> and that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so put this psalm alongside these other passages and it gives us language. And then twice in the psalm, I skipped over it all earlier, but in verse five and then again in verse 11, David ends with this, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. As I I awaken the dawn, as I sing and make music, I, I praise you among the nations. I sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And so David begins in the cave, that tight, place, that small constricted place, that scary place, right? And I'm going to take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And I'm going to trust that you are fulfilling your purposes for me. And I'm going to affirm a steadfast heart to the midst of all this because I know you are good. And then it's like the whole thing opens up and widens out, (laughs) And he remembers to praise the God who made heaven and earth and his faithfulness reaches to the heavens. (laughs) And so his glory is over all the earth. And so from the cave, 
to the heavens and the earth. And, and that's so important. So the, I, I've, I've used this illustration many times over the years when somebody's in crisis, the tendencies we're looking through, you know, we're looking through the telescope or, and you're, you're seeing only that which is in view. I've, I'm, I'm looking at the camera right now. <laughs> And so it looks like that's the only thing in the field of view. We, we, we get so focused on it. But if we can widen out the, 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 length, the angle of the lens, as it were, we take a wider view and we see that this thing that is happening to me is set in a larger context of a God who made heaven and earth, a God who sent his son, who experienced the disaster himself in his, uh, in his arrest, uh, his trial, his death. And then the resurrection, right? And so David affirms that the sovereignty, the control of God over affairs in heaven and on earth. And, and so crisis tends to narrow. It narrows our time frame. We think there is no future. We can only focus on what's happening now. And so the God who fulfills purposes for me. It, it, it stretches out the time frame. This prayer stretches us out. And we, we remember there is going to be a future. I, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but this is part of the story. And then it widens out the perspective. Oh, this isn't the only thing going on in the world. It's not the only thing going on in my life. There is a, a bigger God than my trial and my crisis. So Anyway, love the psalm, could talk about it. There's a little more here that we could probably tease out. And I, I hope you will spend a little time with this psalm. And if and when you find yourself overwhelmed, you, you might find your way back to Psalm 57 and, and make this uh, prayer your own and, and see if your own heart doesn't grow more steadfast and more secure, uh, praising God, okay? So friends, this is why it's one of my favorite psalms and I hope it'll be one of your favorites too. Let's pray. And so we bless you, O Lord, for your goodness in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm. And so for any who are walking through the storm now, and, and Lord, there's some at Greenwich who, who are, and for others, Lord, who may be listening, watching, um, Lord, Lord, be our strength, be our shelter, make our hearts steadfast, give us an ability to understand you are good and fulfilling good purposes for our lives. But we praise you as the sovereign God of heaven and earth. And so watch over us and keep us, keep us until this disaster passes. As we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God grant you an abiding sense of his presence this day and in the day of disaster and every day. May he do it for his glory, which is over all the earth. And I pray over your life as well. Amen and amen.